Welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio, the bicycle industry podcast that brings retailers, vendors, advocates, and thought leaders to the mic for honest discussions about the latest issues facing retailers while taking an in-depth look at the person within the profession. Welcome to another episode of Bicycle Retail Radio, produced by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Specialty bicycle retailers are the heart of the cycling industry, and since 1946, the NBDA has existed to strengthen these businesses through education, research, communication, and advocacy. The NBDA is a nonprofit supported by the membership of participating retailers and industry partners. If you're not already a member, you can learn more and join at nbda.com. This is Chad Picard, NBDA board member and owner of Spoken Sport in South Dakota. With me today on Bicycle Retail Radio, I have the members of our Best Practices Committee, uh, and also these are all members of our NBDA board. Uh, welcome, guys. How are you? Fabulous. Great, thanks. We've got uh, Kent, from formerly from Motion Makers in Asheville, North Carolina, and we've got Peter, former owner of Landry's in Boston, Massachusetts, and Phil current owner of Chain Reaction in Augusta, Georgia. We've got a great group of guys here. Without using a calculator, I'm guessing we've got over 125 years of experience. That experience may span the entire spectrum from bike stores, from fitting, sales, tech, accounting, and all sorts of other things. To paint a better picture, here's a two-part question. What's, what's you guys' experience in the bike industry and what's your favorite part? Kent, why don't, why don't you go first? So my experience is a good portion of that 125. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, a little over 40 years. And my favorite part was always being a retailer because of how much just joy we're able to bring to customers. People are always happy when they're leaving a bike shop with what they wanted. So that's my favorite part. Awesome. Peter, what uh, what's your experience in the bike industry and, and what's your favorite part? Yeah, well, I worked for Leon Landry in 1974. He's the guy that started Landry's in 1922. I purchased the shop in 1975, which turned out to be the year of the bike bust when sales dropped 50% from what they'd been the year before. We started expanding to multiple stores in 1990 and grew to eight stores by 2022, our 100th anniversary, at which time we completed our sale to 100% ESOP. And so it's now an employee-owned company. My favorite part is, is putting somebody onto a high-performance bike that I'd met a few years earlier when they introduced themselves to the words, I don't want to race. And uh, that's somebody... You know, we've changed our life when we do that. Yeah, awesome. Phil, how about you? Well, uh, like Kent, uh, I'm coming up on about 40 years. I started in 1983 working in retail. And then in 1991, opened my store here in the Augusta, Georgia metro area. And I've been a retailer the whole time. And really, like, like Kent said, it's just my favorite part is getting people on bicycles. And that, just it means so much to so many people, you know, their health, their fun with their family. And, you know, I get to see that and I get to be part of that and plant that seed. So that's been my favorite part. Yeah, it, it really is great to see that transition from, you know, whether it's 
you know, I'm curious about riding a bike for, you know, transportation or recreation or whatever to, you know, few years later developing it. It's it's their lifestyle. It's it's incredibly rewarding as a retailer. Uh so thanks for sharing, guys. So spring of 2022, NBDA created this this committee, this vendor best practices committee. What what was the thinking behind that? We were responding to cries for help from retailers who felt that suppliers were ignoring their needs, even becoming their competitors. There is a perceived unwillingness to plan cooperatively between the suppliers and the retailers, even though we all know that we are in for some pretty turbulent times where we're going to go from a you know famine to feast, famine to glut, probably overnight. And felt a real need to get the to get better cooperation and collaboration going. So retailers a little bit struggling with the relationship. What what's the who wins when we when we have better relationships with our vendors? Everybody. I was gonna say, yeah, everybody. Everybody uh, wins. Um because you know we're partners, we're we're in the different ends of the same boat. And you know, our vendors need us and we need them. And uh the the stronger the relationships are, the better for everyone. We we've got to continue that. Yeah. Ken, did you have anything to add? I, I I was agreeing with everybody. Uh, everybody will benefit, you know. And and then to reiterate what Peter says, you know, the MBDA has been asked by our membership over and over and over again to help make the supplier side of our industry understand the retail side of the industry. And you know, we've made attempts with things like the white paper and the scorecard in previous years way back actually it's been a while now but you know they they landed flat on their face it just wasn't effective and so i think a big part of this committee being put together and the things that are being drawn up is to not just to come from our side but to hopefully come from the industry side also and from our supplier side and and create something that we all agree on all right so what what are some of the things that makes a great relationship with a vendor? You know, maybe one or two things. I'll I'll take a stab at that. I think I think the key to most relationships is communication, proactive, uh, honest communication. And a lot of times, you know, in our relationships with our spouses, our staff, our friends, our family, our coworkers, our vendors. If we don't have enough of that, that's where problems can breed. And I guess effective communication is the disinfectant to a negative relationship. Anybody else? Yeah. A, a key to that good communication is that uh, uh, retailers need to be able to articulate what it is that they need from the supplier. And quite often they only they know that the program being offered by the supplier doesn't work for them but they're not able to articulate here is what would work better for me. It also takes a you know willingness on the part of the supplier to customize the program, to modify it, to meet the needs of the retailer, because every retailer's needs are unique. Uh, there also needs to be a belief that, you know, on the part of the supplier that, oh, this retailer and retailers like this retailer are vital to my future. And retailers need to believe, oh, this supplier is going to be 
a key to my future. So over the years, there's certainly been all sorts of speed bumps from the bike boom in the 70s to uh, I remember various shipping strikes to factories burning down, causing shortages. There have been online retailers with superficial low prices and then COVID. What's how's this challenge different from some of those bigger challenges that we've had historically? Well, there are a lot fewer brands today, and especially brands that have more than a, a one or two percent market share in the industry than there what what than what there have been historically. It's not yet obvious to a small brand that there's going to be enough action from the the younger, the small but growing bike shops to make selling exclusively through bike shops the winning strategy. And that was pretty obvious back in the, you know, when I got started in the, during the, the time of the bike bust. I think it's noteworthy. I mean, what's different, but what's the same? All the brands that were big during that original bike boom back in the early 70s are pretty much gone now. Or, you know, the name might still be there, but it's, it's just a, a you know, like a fourth tier brand nowadays and not making a quality product anymore. The brands that have become big did not exist during that original bike boom. And so the future is here for us to create. Yeah, I do, I do remember. So I was in, in junior high and high school at that time. And <laughs> I was younger is what I'm saying. And I do remember, you know, the brands, I remember writing all the brands on my, the covers of my school books, you know, drawing their, uh, their logos and stuff like that. And yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them are gone. A lot of them are different. Yeah. So the, you guys are working on specific, some specific topics, I think. Ken, what's what's one of the topics that you're you're passionate about? You know, it's working with our reps and their visits and trying to give, you know, some uh, kind of guidance from both sides. We, you know, we have a we have a, a a rep list with the MBDA, and a lot of people are members of that or or have a, have put their names on it. So we know we can get in the in front of the reps but also helping to guide our retailers on how to value the time that these guys have, but to help direct the time, because I think a lot of them just want to know what it is that we want them to do, but respect them also. So give me an example. So it's, it's, it's Monday morning. I'm a rep for, you know, a company that you carry at your store and I call you up and I say, Hey, Kent, I got some new products. Got to write some warranty stuff. I'll be there in three hours. That wouldn't be acceptable. Okay. It's like we we're we're professionals also. We we have times and we have schedules and and it would be much better if I had known that in advance. And it would be really great if the rep had the respect of the retailer's times to have wanted to set that up in advance. You know, I think we're all capable of handling that and probably deal with it on a weekly basis of we either say yes or no, but it'd be a lot nicer to have it on a schedule. Hope you're enjoying our Bicycle Retail Radio broadcast. Be sure to go to nbda.com to check out our membership benefits. Yeah, so I'm guessing in advance you can plan a little bit more, get your warranty stuff lined up, get the, I suppose, the right staff to be there at the right time. Yep. Yep. Okay. And to let the rep know, you know, is this an education visit? Is this a let's place some orders visit? Is this a, we really don't need to see you because I have one person on the floor and I'm going to be really busy. 
<laughs> okay. Good point. Good point. Peter, what's what's one of the topics that that you've you're passionate about as far as working with vendors? Getting beyond take it or leave it. The uh, oh. I've heard that a lot of retailers feel that when a vendor shows them, here's the program for the year, here's the commitment we're looking for, but that's a take it or leave it offer, and they don't know how to ask for. Well, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. Here's what I. Here's what it takes to help me make my business successful. And, you know, it's partly just understanding uh, understanding the numbers of their own business better. Imagining that's in, in programs as well, you know, finding compromises there and in terms of working with vendors? Sometimes it takes compromise because certainly the vendors have legitimate needs as well, and they can't do everything. But often, often when a retailer asks for something, the supplier come back with, well, I can't do that, but I could do this. Oh, sure. Maybe that this works for the retailer just as well as what the retailer asked for. So you need to approach that with flexibility on both sides and a, a willingness to understand the other side's, the other side's needs. Okay. But it needs to, I think for most retailers, where it needs to start is with the retailer asking better for what they need. Okay. And, and assuming those needs are for a profitable, sustainable bike business that's going to get even, hopefully, even more people on bikes, more of those experiences of taking someone from their first new bike to their second, third bike down the road and getting friends and family on bikes too, I hope. It does. Having, having the products that you need when you need them. Yeah, from it's powerful quantities that you need and ability to get fill-ins because just because you happen to sell that extra large in this model which you expect to sell about one a year doesn't <laughs> mean you're not going to get another big guy coming in next week who wants pretty much the same thing so if there's no ability to get to get uh restock then then you're just not going to get your business's potential and you work too hard to have a business to not be able to get your potential. Yeah, we as retailers we we do work hard. Phil, what's what's something you're you're hoping to to address in the the vendor best practices committee? One of my passions is dealing with the credit departments. Unless you're uh, extremely wealthy like uh, maybe yourself, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to have to uh most of us are going to rely on credit and our vendors are going to make that available based on lots of criteria and we have to be able to work with them and gain their trust so that we can have the credit we need to get the product we need when we need it. And so our, you know, our sell throughs is good and we're not sitting on product, but you know, what, what I find is in my personal experience, some of the worst experiences I've ever had have been with credit managers, but also some of the best. I'm not going to mention the negative ones, but I will mention a couple of them like Renee and Jennifer over at Cycling Sports Group. I absolutely love them. Amy over at Haro is just the best to work with that I've ever had to work with. And the, the reason they are is because I communicate well with them. I'm honest. If I'm in a bind, I call them and let them know, you know, hey, I'm a couple of weeks behind schedule and they work with me. It's just, you know, 
communicating with these people and working with them it is is paramount to us running our business. This is credit is a tool that we have to have to credit. I'm sorry, credit is a tool we have to have. And if we don't have it, we're not going to be able to run our businesses. Yeah. Good, good points. Yeah. There, and thanks for the examples of the good, good credit reps. We, we need to talk more about the, the good things that are happening in industry and, and which I think is why we have this committee. So clearly you guys have talked about some of these, these topics in depth. Do you have examples of, of some successes in your stores where you've implemented, you know, maybe a change in a relationship or a change in a process that has benefited both you as a retailer, but the vendor as well? Kent, did you have, have any examples of that? Sure. I'm going to go back to the 1990s when we were, we'd recently grown from one store to four and we were really strapped for cash. We were definitely not making the list of the top 100 bike shops in the country at the time. And, you know, we had a tough time getting two nickels to rub together. I certainly understand what Phil was talking about, about the need to get good relations with your credit managers. But there were suppliers who were coming to us with programs that just flat out didn't work for us. Uh, And we said, well, here's what we need. Can you do this for us? And after some hemming and hawing, but when they realized that, oh, other suppliers maybe were willing to do what we needed, they said, oh, yes, of course, we're going to do that. And, you know, within a decade, we were getting to be like one of their top 10 retailers in the country. Awesome. So really powerful when you when you collaborate, tell them what you need, insist on what you need, but then make things happen when you get it. Anybody else have any any examples of some changes they've made with vendor relationships or process? One one thing that going back to the credit thing, which is kind of my thing that I'm excited about, is um, you know, and it goes along with what Peter's saying is, I've talked to credit managers to try to put pressure on the salespeople to create programs that aren't going to inevitably be, you know, bad for us i.e. you're trying to get me to do something today that the credit manager is going to have to clean up, you know, four months from now because it just isn't going to work. So being able to talk to the credit people and get their buy-in to go, hey, look, if you guys will create programs that are better for us, you'll spend less time on the phone chasing money. And it, it seems to it seems to work. And so they are, they can be your ally uh, on those, on getting the programs that Peter was talking about that you need to be successful in your store. What, what role have vendors played in this? I, I know some vendors have reached out, uh, you know, wanting to know more, you know, maybe newer vendors or uh, newer reps. Uh, what, what do you, what do you think their challenges are? I think the, the vendors are also challenged with how to work with us and we will invite them to be part of this conversation some have already chimed in but you know something we've talked about on the committee here is to you know try to figure out an open platform that we can get information from them to see what they would like to see come from retailers because we know as things are changing as the world has evolved and 
that for them, it's really hard for them to communicate with us sometimes in their eyes. So, yeah, I, I kind of imagine it's a lot, you know, as, as retailers, we have lots of different customers and we've got to communicate, you know, our, you know, our, our store mission, our, our, our sales, our promotions, our events. And I'm imagining it's a lot, you know, vendors are having the same problem. It's, it's just a little bit different for them, maybe a different scale. Anything else you guys would like to add about the vendor best practices committees or, or you know, questions that you have for vendors or, or, you know, maybe you have other retailers asking questions. Anything you'd like to add? What One thing I would like to add is we, our vendors have businesses to run just like us. They face the same struggles we're facing. So in order for us to be successful, we have to be partners and they have to communicate well. So we've stated that. What I don't want the vendors to forget is who the customer is in this scenario. You know, the dealers are the customers, and we need to be good customers, and we need to be better retailers for them and for us, and that will make things better. But I just want them to understand that we are the customer because I think sometimes that gets lost, and, you know, the the arrogance of some retailers dictating to us how we're going to do business. I just, I just think that they need to reconsider the relationships. You know, you, you said something there, Phil, that is so true. We not only, I mean, we are the customer, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a. We we don't need to be that customer, the one that we fire from our stores, but being a good customer, and and you know, you're not gonna a good customer doesn't come in asking for discounts all the time. A good customer knows the way the system works, is willing to work with you, willing to communicate, willing to pay for goods and services. Yeah. Yeah. Good good point, Phil. So for our listeners that might have additional questions, hopefully some vendors and some retailers, they may want to get a hold of us. What's what's the best way for them to get a hold of vendor best practices group? The best practices at nbda.com email. Okay. Reaches the entire committee. I'd like to thank Kent, Phil, and Peter for taking some time out of their day to talk about vendor best practices. Stay tuned into Bicycle Retail Radio for more podcasts about vendor best practices. If you're a vendor or retailer and you want to know more, you can head to our website at nbda.com backslash connects. Then scroll down to working with vendors for more information. Or you can reach out to us at bestpractices at nbda.com. Thank you for listening to Bicycle Retail Radio. This podcast is designed specifically for the bicycle industry, dedicated to strengthening our retailers and cycling community. If it is your first episode, we urge you to take the time and listen to our past episodes. Support the show by first subscribing, then share your favorite episode online with friends. You can go one step further and leave a review. It helps members of our industry find our podcast. Special thanks to NBDA Development Director Rochelle Scouten for editing and promotional graphics. Music provided by Joel Picard.